The scripture for today's sermon comes from John chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. The word of God speaks to us. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of the man, but of God. This is God's word to us. All right, well, it's good to see everyone this morning. It's good to be back um, right before, the year before the, uh, the year we just had, before the pandemic, I was actually here in Edmond for a parenting and technology seminar. Anybody here was here for that? Okay, a few people, right? Seems like yesterday, but also seems like 15 years ago because the weird morphing of time that's happened when we're kind of, we're all sitting at home. I don't know how it was in Oklahoma. I live in a college town on the East Coast in Virginia. And man, we like, sit at your house and don't move was kind of the, the ethos around us. Uh, thank God that's not the case. I didn't even have to wear a mask at all anytime here, my whole time in Oklahoma so far. So I'm grateful for that. But yeah, we all kept each other safe. I'm in the most vaccinated state, I think, in, in America. So I feel really good about that. You may or may not. I don't know. Uh, I'm just glad to be here. Um, I wanted to share a little bit about myself as we get going in, in, our, in my ministry. And guys, put that slide up with, with that and leave it up there for a good while for me. Um, as I said, my name is Reed Monahan. I'm the director of a ministry called The Gospel Underground. It's kind of a mom and pop shop ministry that has a, uh, a specific mission to advance the mission of God in the borderlands between the church and culture. And so I do various things to that end. The first is I support and strengthen local churches to be more effective in our current cultural moment. So I work with church planters, leaders, and parents, right? Because uh, Wednesday night we're going to talk about how do we guide our kids in this per, uh, particular cultural moment together. The second thing I do is I actually share the gospel with young people. Uh, before COVID canceled like 12 of my events, all of a sudden, uh, I used to speak on university campuses and do youth apologetics conference and that sort of thing. That is picking back up. And also, I'm actually the chaplain for the Virginia Tech Hokie Wrestling Program. Anybody you got any wrestling people in here at all? Done a little grappling? You, 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 you or your husband? Grandson. Your grandson. Okay. If he's good, let me know. We might recruit him at Virginia Tech. We're, we're a pretty good team. <laughs> I know, you know, I was just down in Norman a couple of days. I know OU and Okie State, they like the Central Oklahoma, they all wrestle. Uh, but yeah, I'm a chaplain for the team. That means I work with 18 to 23, 24-year-old knuckleheads, uh, trying to lead them to Christ. And it's been a wonderful direct ministry for me this year during uh, the pandemic. And then finally, we help the church be thoughtfully engaged with culture. We have a Gospel Underground podcast to that end uh, and helping think deeply about what we believe and why. Uh, in giving an answer for the hope we have in today's society. So my family's got me on loan to you today. My son Tommy, he's, he's a football, a soccer player, sorry. He's a soccer player first, wrestler second. I'm okay with that. My wife on the bottom left was a national champion two times at University of North Carolina in soccer. So they, my kids all play the football. Uh, my daughter's here, right? The one on the left, Kayla, she's in college. She will be with us here on Wednesday night. Uh, I've done these kind of events where I do those with her and without her. It's way better 
when she speaks. Because I'll share, like, I'd be a parent, da, da, da. And then she'll share a little bit of what it's like as a kid growing up that way. Uh, and she's free to say whatever she wants. She tells the truth. Uh, and then towards the end, we'll, we'll be together for a joint Q&A uh, together as well. The brown-haired one uh, just finished her junior year. Um, my wife is a coach, and my, my daughter, just they just won the regional championship uh, Friday night. I watched it on a live stream from my hotel room. And you might think, that stinks, Reed. Why are you in Oklahoma watching your daughter try to win state titles in soccer on a live stream? I aim all my vitriol and anger and disdain at the Virginia High School League because they changed the dates for the playoffs. I originally, I originally said, yeah, I'll come to do a parenting thing in, in, in Oklahoma, and let's do it two weeks after the playoffs. But of course, because of COVID, I don't know what that means, but because of COVID, they moved it two weeks late. And I will be live streaming the state semifinals on Monday from a hotel room. And then, God willing, paying attention to my Apple Watch alerts about text messages during the state finals when I'm with you on Wednesday night here. Because I'm a good dad, I will interrupt say, oh, we just scored. All right, back to discipline. Right? That's what we'll do together there. But I love my family. They slipped a note into my bag for Father's Day. My wife probably was up to that, but uh, my kids are pretty thoughtful, so they may have actually initiate it. Who knows? The card was great, and I'm here. I've been, in, I've been in here already for a couple days. I was in Norman helping do some consulting with a church down there that's in, in the same network, and then I'll be with the frontline staff, and then another conference Tuesday night, and then with you Wednesday. Well, today um, is Father's Day, and I love to be able to preach on Father's Day because I get to share about some of the things I'm most passionate about. Or as someone once sang in a Hollywood movie song, these are a few of my favorite things. Yes, I had to carry that burden. My mom made me memorize the songs from The Sound of Music. It didn't go out well with my football teammates in high school, but I could take them because I was a wrestler, so I got over that. But these are a few of my favorite things. Things. Being a dad, um, uh, changed me in ways I can cannot even imagine. Um, I grew up with a father that was very difficult. He was an ex-Irish Catholic atheist naval officer, right? Yeah, like in all the Irish part, right? I mean, like anger and you know the fire, water, all that stuff, right? So I grew up. Uh, even to speak about fathering is very, was very difficult to me when I became a dad. I didn't have a good model, didn't know how, and was a little bit nervous, a little bit scared. But now it's one of the most important things to who I am. So today we're going to talk about a few uh, of my favorite things. First, the importance of dads in the lives of people, right? Secondly, how the truth of the fatherhood of God informs all that. And then shapes us both as women and men. And then certainly how the good news of Jesus brings us home to our creator and the implications for our lives together. Now, uh, being a husband and, and a dad are, are, are part of my life daily. I just uh, celebrated 25 years of marriage in May. Um, yeah, man, I was like, yeah. Um, that makes me feel, feel like I've been at it a while, and you guys know the folks in here have been married a long time, know the ups and downs and difficulties of that. 
Uh, and then my kids, you know, I got a 15-year-old, a 17-year-old, and a college student, right? It's, it just blows my mind sometimes how things happen. But I spend my life, invest my life, receive life. This is one of the blessings. Like when my daughter's coming in, we're going to like hang out for two days in Oklahoma. It's going to be amazing, right? I'm going to receive something from her because she's an amazing person. And part of my ministry is investing, right, in the next generation and in dads. I do men's retreats around the country. It's one of the great joys of my life. Here's what I want you to think about fathers. Fathers at their best care about what and more importantly who is in their sphere of care, leadership, and trust. Fathers care about what's under their care and who it is that's in their care, leadership, and trust. Fathers at their best provide for and protect their people. Now, on the flip side of that, fathers or men, let's say this, men can do immense damage in the lives of people. I've seen some things up close I'd rather not seen or experienced in life that affected me as a young person. But here's the deal. Although there's potential for harm, men and women, there's so much potential for great good and blessing to flow from dad. Dads make a difference. All the sociological research on this is clear. In fact, there's a great website called the Institute of Family Studies. Just go there. All kinds of stuff coming out on the sociological influence of fathering. In fact, uh, every year the National Fatherhood Initiative uh, publishes fatherhood facts, and over and over again, studies have shown that every indicator of the well-being of children goes up when dad is around and when dad is engaged. National Institute of Health came to some conclusions that policymakers ought to do things to improve circumstances for fathering. One of the fun things I read, this is a 2016 article from the L.A. Times. Here's the title of the article. Five things pediatricians want dads to know about parenting. Now, I'll boil, boil this article down for you and make it simple. Here are the things that dads ought to do. Be a role model. Talk to your kids. Play with your kids. Now, men, do you think you could do that? It's not, it's not right. I was like, wow, I was expecting a lot from that article. Hey, be around. Play with them. Talk to them. Make a huge difference in the world. What a privilege. One of my favorite quotes about fathering uh, comes from a, a lady named Dr. Meg Meeker. She's a medical doctor, and she wrote a book in 2007 called Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. Now, I love this quote because it came to me while I was reading this actually on my phone when my daughters were six years old and four-year-olds, and, and they didn't stick with this, but at the time, they were doing gymnastics. Now, I don't know if you guys have been around four-year-old gymnastics, but it's like flip on the top of your head and flop over, and maybe they're doing Simone Biles stuff. I don't know how they do it, but my kids were just kind of rolling around, having fun, doing gymnastics, and it was my turn to take them to the gymnastics gym. I was waiting for them to finish, and I'm reading this book on my phone, and I come across this quote. Most of you out there are good men as well. 
but are you a good men who have been derided by a culture that does not care for you, that in terms of the family has ridiculed your authority, denied your importance, and tried to fill you with confusion about your role? But I can tell you that fathers change lives as my father changed mine. You are natural leaders. Your family looks to you for qualities that only fathers have. You were made a man for a reason. And your daughter is looking to you for guidance that she cannot get from her mother. Now picture this. I'm literally reading this. And I watch my little blonde and brown haired girls in tutus run by going like this. I'm like, oh my God. I just... Why is that guy over there crying in the gymnastics studio? I was like, what is happening? Dad affects destiny. Now, what is our response to that, right? Now, when I step back, that, that, that can be hard. That can be uh, discouraging even, right? What do we do? If dad, for me, means difficulty or absence, or maybe even he's passed away, or maybe I didn't have a dad. The ache that that, I I know it personally, the ache that it puts in our souls is real and significant. And this, friends, is where the beauty, the strength, the goodness comes from God himself. So as we look in the Bible this morning, no matter what your situation with dad was, or even like if you're in here feeling like, hey, I'm, I'm killing the game as a dad, or like, hey, I'm failing great. I failed greatly as a dad. I want to bring good news to you today about the fatherhood of God. Let's pray. Lord, help us as we look into your word that we might find the encouragement of the scriptures that we might have hope. But no matter what uh, has taken place in our past, we come to you this day and we want to see something good and glorious. Uh, Not the failures or the successes of people, but what you have done to demonstrate to us what a good father is. And God, I just pray you'd help open our eyes, give us spiritual understanding of your word that we might be changed, we might have hope, and we might move forward differently in our callings in life. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the great truths of the Bible is that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, space, time, energy, all that is, all the galaxies, the universe were created by God. And in particular, human beings, male and female, created together in the image and likeness of God. This is all a great, great truth of the Bible. Yet there's something additional that Jesus taught us, that the Bible teaches us, that those who come to know God in a personal relationship actually become more than creation. They actually become children. What was read before I came up in John chapter 1, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right, he gave the power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, 
nor of the will of man, but of God. Some translations will have that not of human decision or will of a husband, but born from God. My own spiritual journey didn't begin in church or Sunday school like my children, like my kids. I've been teaching them about Jesus since like in the womb, right? Uh, I had a different uh, experience. I became a Christian while studying physics at a, on a wrestling scholarship at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And, and at the time when someone shared with me about Jesus, I was thinking about God. Not in kind of a, 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 in any way like a relationship with Jesus, but I was taking a class that involved like uh, quantum mechanics and modern physics and all this weird mathematical stuff. And I started to think, something's behind this universe, And my mind literally exploded when someone said the God that created all of that actually wants to have kids. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. God has children? I I could be a part of that family? Jesus cares deeply and wants human beings not to be orphaned in the world, but to have God as their father. Jesus actually used a word to describe a person created by God, but outside of relationship with God, and the term he uses is lost. Lost. And now this isn't a term that should be used in kind of like a negative sense about other people. It was was true about me. Lost. This came through to me very clearly what kind of spiritually orphaned, lost means one I grew up that way I knew it I was alienated from God but something happened in my own life probably about seven years ago that just brought the force of lostness to my own heart you see we lived we I was a church planter excuse me for several years in New Jersey anybody ever anybody from New Jersey Anybody want to move to New Jersey? No, we don't want to move to New Jersey. That's what everybody told us when we moved to New Jersey on purpose. Why do you don't want to move to? We moved to New Jersey on purpose to plant churches, and God blessed that immensely. My wife grew up on a farm in North Carolina. She was like, why am I in New York City metro? This makes no sense. We lived there for a while, established it, turned it over to the natives, and we moved to Virginia. <laughs> but we were living in New Jersey, and each year my son and I started this, we started a tradition. Every year, except for COVID, dang COVID, we go to the NCAA Division I Wrestling Championships, father and son, together. We have wonderful time there. We get a hotel, we roll out, right? We've had all kinds of talks during this trip. We had the talk during one of these trips, right, to uh, the NCAA Wrestling Championships. This year, uh, in 2014, I believe it was, the NCAAs were in New York City. That means me and my dude got to ride a train from our house to Penn Station, get off Madison Square Garden, man, right? Um, We were there watching wrestling. Now, my wife had told me before we headed out, you know this child of yours is different than the girls. The girls will hold your hands, they'll walk with you through the crowds, they'll be with you on your hip. This one likes to wander away. This one likes to play jokes when we're out in public and hide behind stuff. And he, he was eight years old at the time. And so you got to keep an eye on him. I was like, of course, we're going to New York City. I'm a responsible dad. Of course, I'm going to keep an eye on my my son. Well, the session leaves out. Like Madison Square Garden empties out right where there's like Penn Station, Times Square. It's just crowded. Everybody all over the place. And I was walking out of the session, and somebody texted me. So I was writing a text back to somebody, and I look up, and my kid is gone. 
Like literally, I don't see him anywhere. And my first, my first thought was like, if somebody takes your child, the most likely that they'll be returned or you'll find them is within one hour of them disappearing from you. I tell you what, I was scared. I, I panicked. And so I didn't know what to do. I was like, okay, I got to get him now because he's, he's probably not far away. So I just start screaming. I start screaming his name. I start telling everybody I lost my son. I, I saw the police officer. I asked him to help. And I couldn't find him for like five minutes. Now, you might not think five minutes. This is a horde of people in New York City. My eight-year-old is gone. And I'll never forget this person who was an Ohio State University Buckeye wrestling. I don't even like Ohio State, to be honest. I don't like it much at all. I mean, I, I, I'd assume see him get whooped in a wrestling match than anything else. And this man with full garnet and silver gray stuff comes up with my boy. He's, who's, who's in tears. I'm in tears. We're hugging, and we still disagree to this day. He says, you walked away from me. I said, no, you walked away from me. He's probably right. <laughs> but in that moment, guys, I was thinking my wife is going to kill me. She warned me of this. I'm an idiot. I hate myself. I mean, it was horrible, horrible panicked mode. And I just, for a moment, I stopped and prayed. We prayed, me and him together. Thank God. Oh, God, thank you with me. Thank you. are back home with me. Um, and I just, I just meditated on that experience and the word lost. I lost my kid. And I, and I began to pray, Lord, what do you want me to get from that? What, what should I understand about your heart? What is, what is like you in that and what is different than you in that? And obviously, God, is, God isn't fearful. God wasn't panicking. God is not helpless. I, I felt all of that. But you know what? In praying, I, I just sense the Lord say, you know what? But your love for your kid, your passion to find him, your intensity and focus in those moments, I feel all of that infinitely when I think about seeking out lost kids. These three words are all over the scripture. Lost, orphaned, loved. Lost, orphaned, loved. The fatherhood of God. How does that enter our lives? How does this take place? Now the Bible uses the wonderful term adoption adoption for this. And I want to read a simple paraphrase from the New Testament, from the book of Ephesians. This is in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. Now this is from the message, it's a paraphrase, but I actually do, it can read, uh, you know, the Greek New Testament, and this is very accurate. It's not playing around. But I think it's going to hit us fresh reading it in a paraphrase. And it goes this way, how blessed is God, and what a blessing He is. He's the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He takes us to the high places of blessing in Him. Long before He laid the earth's foundations, He had us in mind. He had, he had settled on us the focus of His love to be made whole and holy by His love. Long, long ago, He decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. Now for any human being, whether you're here today and you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, I want to ask you this. 
How does God adopt people? What's the process by which he brings them into a family? The process is beautiful. And it involves his choice, his gift, his grace. Flipping over one chapter, we see these people in Ephesians 1 adopted. You don't adopt yourself, by the way. Uh, It's the kind choice of God. It is an act of love. It's intentional. It's part of his purpose. In one chapter over in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, we learn the process by which God engages adoption. First, in the positive, it says, it's for it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. To become a child of the Creator in this intimate, personal way is fully and finally a gift. It isn't based on what I do. It isn't based upon me being good enough or smart enough so people like me. In the positive, we are saved through our trust in Him. By God's grace, and it is a gift. Now, just in case we were wondering, need some clarification, verse 9 presents the same thing in the, in the, ne- the negative way or a negation. Not a result of works, so that no one can boast. Look, if it was up to me being awesome, hey, I'm a religious, spiritual giant. I can do 4,000 know, religious person push-ups. I'm better than other people. I could boast about it. I could bra- look how good, look how holy and good I am. And and the Bible simply says, no, 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 no. It's not a result of works. So that boasting is excluded completely. There's nowhere to brag about it. Why? God came and got us. When we planted churches in central New Jersey, when we met people out in the community who were Parts of various religions, right? There are all kinds of, you know, religions and peoples and ideologies and philosophies swirling around. I'd say, what's your church like? And I would always say this. We are a church for those who have grown weary with religion, but still find themselves thirsty for God. And and man, I tell you what, Roman Catholics, Jewish people, Hindu people, atheist people, it connects. Why? Because we're thirsty, man. We know we're incomplete. We know we're flawed. We know there's something broken. Many times we look at religion and say, well, that's just a bunch of self-righteous people saying they're better than everybody or fighting with each other. What is that? But no, God says it's by his grace. It's not by your religious workings. It's by his gifting and gracious adoption of kids into a family. And then our path, Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship. The, the word there is poemia. It's like we're his poetry created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for beforehand that we might walk in them. So what happens when we become a child of God? We grow up. We, we take on the family business. We mature. He changes us. God puts something in us so that we might live out a life for the glory of God together here. Jesus said it this way, let your light so shine before others that you might see, they might see your good works and praise your Father who is in heaven. Our works don't save us. Our works are a product and outcome that we belong to the family. Now, 
the fatherhood of God entering into our lives, for me, radically changed my view of fathering on the ground here as a human being. What is our response to dad? And look, I know this rule of that. How, when I think of dad, how, what's my response to dad? Well, is he angry or not? Is he drunk or not? It's like, what is my response to that? Whether your dad was horrible, absent, or evil, or maybe you had a loving and wonderful dad. In God, each of us can have a perfect father. He's putting something in his children. I heard this quote from a man named Tom Cole. He was a leader in a business fellowship in New York City called the New Canaan Society. It was for businessmen kind of thing. And he said this, inheritance is what we leave for others. Legacy is what we leave in others. And and here's the beauty of the fatherhood of God. He gives us both inheritance and he's putting in people a legacy of his kingdom. Remember, a good dad, right? A dad at his best cares about what, and more importantly, who is under his care. God cares about what and who is coming into his kingdom and his family. And he has our back to the uttermost as a good father. Now, I remember having this debate I was in campus ministry. I became a Christian in college. I went into campus ministry. My wife was a college soccer player. We went into campus ministry with athletes. We did that for eight years as a young married couple. Some of the best years of our lives together. We were kind of a tag team uh, in university ministry. And I remember having a discussion. It got pretty heated, actually, about whether or not when we talk to really like non-Christian people, should we use the term father? And I remember having this debate, and it was me and this other, this other lady, and, and we both had really good points in this debate. And she said something like this, I really am hesitant to call God Father sometimes because some people's fathers are so hurtful, so abusive, I don't want to map them, map all those things on God. Boy, what a good point that is. And, but but I, I decided, I look, I get what you're saying. <laughs> but I need to know God is not like that. And I think his fatherhood can change all of our views on what a father, at least, at least, can be. Can be. So there's, in a sense, in our culture, right, where so much harm can be done by people. That there is baggage with the word father. But if we allow God to fill that term with his meaning, it can redeem that word. And I hope give men a different vision. There's too many men that are checked out, abandoning families, hurting people, hurting women and children. Too many. In God, we have a good father who has a good name and wants to give us that. This is in Ephesians 3. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, 
so that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to be, do far more abundantly than we can ask or imagine, according to his power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. You see, when we allow the Father's good name to infiltrate, it changes us and that we might have a chance and a hope to be better fathers ourselves. The Father has given us a good name. And then Romans 8, 12 through 17, we are also heirs of a great king, men and women together. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not according to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back again into fear, but have received a spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father, this intimate name for God. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then we are heirs. This, this is like kings and queens type language, right? This is like in the Narnia movies and books, right? This is like the, the, the sons of Adam and daughters of Eve are kings and princes. For if we are children, they were heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. To say that we are children, to say that we are heirs, Everything that God has, he's giving to us. Everything that the good father has in it, he's placing in us. We have both uh, an inheritance and a great legacy put in us. It is not some strange byproduct of material causes of atoms and space and time flying around the universe. That, that we have families, we have mothers, we have fathers. This is the design and purpose of God. And if I could give a final word to the men here who are dads, or maybe are soon to, I met some folks in the first, soon to become dads. Or maybe someday you just might want to be. I know that was the scariest thing. I was like, I want to be a dad, it scares me to death, I don't know how to do it. My counsel to you would be this. Don't father your own family without a father. Maybe that means like you need to repair some things with your earthly father. Maybe you need to care about that relationship and work to it more. Maybe that's up or down the chain of life for you. But don't father your own family without a father. Certainly not without your heavenly father. Stand in the grace of God as you father a family. Don't father without God's wisdom in your life. Uh, apply the scriptures to your heart and your family. Don't father alone. Go at it with some brothers. I know my dad didn't have other men in his life who were sharing with each other how to be good dads. I know for a fact he did it. I don't even think he would know how to do that. Men, don't go it alone. In a community group, get with some other 
brothers. Don't father without the supernatural strength of the Holy Spirit in your life to give you power to do the hard things that you need to do. And don't father without faith, trusting in God as your father, not as a simple distant creator, but as your father who is in heaven. This is the path that comes by his grace. It's a gift, trusting in him alone. We follow his word together as a family and a community known as the church. Now, I loved Eric's prayer that he prayed prayed over us in in both the first here and the second service. And I didn't know what he was going to share. And I just was like sitting there going, oh, yes, we need that. We need humble, servant-hearted, but strong and good fathers in our world. And so if I could say a blessing to you, this is something that for generations and generations, Old and New Testament, have believed it's a blessing that I want to pray over you dads. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And let me close with this. This is a quote that I kind of fell in love with years ago. It was by a man named G.K. Chesterton. He lived about 100 or so years ago in England. And he was a journalist, and he was kind of a wise guy. He was kind of had a, a quick wit to him, and he liked to pipe off and stuff. So I kind of like some of his quotes. But he was talking about whether or not we should be optimistic or pessimistic about the current age and reality of life. Because there's a lot in the world, right, to be pessimistic about. And if you know God, you should be optimistic, right? And so he was thinking about what, what we should want in this life relating to its reality. And he said a lot of people just want people to kind of just get this contentment and chill with it. He said, no, 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 I don't want that when my relationship to the world. And I wanted to say this to the dads as your relationship to fathering. He said, no one doubts that an ordinary man could get on with this world. But we demand strength not enough to just get on with it, But we want strength enough to get it on. Can we hate the world enough to to say it needs changing? And can we love it enough to know that it's worth changing? Let's pray. Father, we do want strength and courage. We need it. The things that we're called to in this life that truly matter are hard. Being a mother is hard. Being a father is hard. Investing in other people is hard. It's risky. Love is risky. But Father, we want your strength to engage it with full hearts, with humility, with repentance for when we make mistakes, particularly when we make mistakes as dads, that we'd learn to tell our children, I'm sorry, I've hurt you. Will you forgive me? Help me do better. Will we listen well? to wives and children who give us wise counsel to help us in our task. Lord, we want courage to engage hard conversations where maybe our kids don't want to hear something, but we know they need to hear. Let us trust you for the long-term future when maybe there's a child yelling yelling at us that they don't like us or something. Lord, we would have courage that we wouldn't shrink back, nor would we rise up in anger, but with calm strength we would hold course. Lord, each day has its own complexities and its difficulties. And Lord, we just need you. We need a father. We need brothers to be dads. And Lord, I pray for the the women and kids in here who have relationships with men who are their fathers. 
Lord, if those are good, we rejoice in it. We're thankful for it. Lord, if there's tension or if there's alienation or strife or enmity, Lord, I just pray that you would work there. Life is too short to stay angry and bitter at one another for long periods of time. Would you be a healer? Would you help mend the walls maybe that we've broken or they've broken? And Lord, we pray and thank you for our dads. We're grateful for them, for the good, the bad, and the ugly. We know they're human beings, not uh, superheroes. But Father, we do know that dad can make a difference. I pray you'd give us strength enough to get that on. In Jesus' name, amen.